Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Paige Easter, here with my lovely co-host and partner in business and life, Ben Easter. And today we are going to talk about all things pricing. So people who have business, um, either a product or a service that they're offering in the world, sometimes it can feel a little unclear about what is the dollar amount that I associate with the thing that I'm offering to people in the world. And people have questions about how to come to that number and how to feel really good so that they can feel really clean and they're selling when they're going out into the world making offers. Totally. And I think it's a really important consideration because this is so much about sales is feeling really confident in your offering. And then I think a big part of what confidence in your offering is, is that you believe that you've set up a, a value that is, um, people will use the word fair, but it, that it mm -hmm. feels like the exchange is um, a really effective, valuable offering in the world. And I think that part of what that means is that we've created some kind of win-win situation with, you mm -hmm. know, our customers. Yeah, totally. So how do people know that this is an issue for them? What kinds of things, like questions would they be asking or concerns would they have? I think a lot of times people are asking questions like, did I set the right price or am I competitive with the market? Is this a fair price? I think there, there's, the, there's a battle that happens inside of entrepreneurs' heads, which is like, uh, am I extracting the value that is meaningful to me while at the same time being a value that is a like kind of a slam dunk for my customers and my clients? Mm -hmm. I think um, one thing that can happen is people can start to feel it, sort of in uh, opposition to their customers. And I think mm -hmm. thinking about pricing and value in a really resourceful way will get you out of that feeling where you can feel like you're on the same side of the table, that you're really feeling like it's going to be a win-win situation. I mean, like that mm -hmm. you're on the same side as your customers. And I think that's yeah. a really useful way of looking at things so that we can stay in business for a long time. Because so much about what extended business looks like is trust and mm -hmm. continued relationship. Yeah. It seems like to me, part of the kind of challenge is people want to protect themselves from undervaluing themselves and not leaving potential for more income on the table. 
but also not setting such a high price that they then can't sell it, that people won't want it because it's too expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Another concern that comes up a lot, I think, is uh, just entrepreneurs in general feeling pushy about sales and not wanting to come across as pushy. And we're also going to address that in this conversation too. Yeah. And that pushy, that pushy thing is like, I think that's what effective valuing really is all about is like coming up with a way that where it's more like a pulling kind of sales than it is a pushing kind of sales. Mm -mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where do you start when you start thinking about coaching somebody through what their offer, like the value of their offer, their product or service? Yeah. So there's a cost-based pricing model that it gets so much play. I think many people think in terms of margins and that's kind of how they're thinking about their pricing is like, well, it costs us this much to make the product and this is what all goes into it. And these are the hours. And when people are thinking about hourly, you know, how many hours something takes plus time, their hourly rate, that's a really common way of thinking about pricing. I think it's not that useful um, at the end of the day, but I do think that there is a use of it, which is that we want to know at the end of the day, what it costs to make something, because if we can't at least cover that with a value-based offering, then we don't have a business yet. We don't have a way to sustainably stay in business. And I think Mm -hmm. understanding that your cost, whatever your cost is, is that the absolute floor that you can possibly charge is really important. But then, you know, we want to really get way above that floor um, because Mm -hmm. that's how we have like a very successful business. and, And it's really useful to make sure that we're, we're charging more than what it costs us to make the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I do think it's important to take some time in the beginning to understand what your costs are, like both kinds of costs, your fixed and your variable costs. So like, what's your overhead? What does it cut? You know, what does it just generally cost to run your business? And then if you have a product where it takes some kind of cost per delivery, right? So if we're, you know, if we're selling a widget, it costs you something to get the components for the widget or to get the made widget and then to market it or wherever, if you're selling a service, then there's some amount of your time that it go- that goes into the creation of that. And while that is not important, if we want to get into a, a value-based pricing model, it is important for understanding how much time do you want to be working based on your financial picture and what you want to create with your business. What does that time look like? Like how much time do you want to be working in your business? What, I mean, at the end of the day, we only have 80 hours a, a work week that we can work. Um, and any higher than that is we're going to be sacrificing sleep or something like that. So, um, so there's that, but also we, we want to understand what is our capacity that we want to work. So what do we actually like in a, in a perfect world when we're designing our business, what do we want to be working? What do we want our relationship with work to look like? And then how do we figure out the financials behind that? Cause I think that's where we're, where we're going next. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sitting down, starting with a vision includes kind of what are the resources on hand in terms of time and whatever technologies, the overhead, whatever it takes to get your product or service out the door and starting there and making sure that it's actually like feasible and in alignment for you to be having this offer out there in the world. But what's the problem with not like just assigning, well, it takes me these number of hours. I want to make this rate. Why, why do you not recommend that people base their price off of that alone? Well, there's nothing, I, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with doing a cost-based model. It's, mm-hmm. And if that's the way that you want to price your thing, it's totally fine. It's just, we will always be leaving value on the table. And also cost isn't really what we want, is what people are buying. They're not buying the cost. You know what I mean? Like 
you know, it's like, so coaching, so people hire me to coach them, but they're not actually, what they want is not the hours that they're spending with the coach. And so if I'm charging them for the hours that they're spending with me, we're missing something. We're missing a part of the value equation because what they're actually wanting is some kind of transformation that's coming on the other side of that coaching. Right. And so it's really important to, to separate those things out so that we can even have a clear understanding of value and get make a picture that's resourceful for both sides of the table. Again, if we want to create a win win situation, it's important for us to understand what does winning look like for, mm -hmm. for everybody. And so yeah. while there's nothing wrong with a cost based model, it is the kind of thing that will um, that will kind of limit our experience of value. And it's just like it's I think it's like not looking at the thing that is actually the most valuable thing, mm -hmm. which is whatever so that transformation is. So looking at it from the, like, what does it look like from the potential client or customer perspective? If I'm showing up and I'm saying it, it takes me this much time and this is my hourly rate, what do you think that experience is like for the potential client? Yeah, well, so, I mean, first of all, that's, we're talking about, this is a service-based model and not a product-based mm -hmm. model. But if, if we have a service-based model and if you're listening and you have a service-based model, if you've ever done that thing that Paige just said, which is like, this is how much, how long I think it's going to take. I'm going to make an estimate over here. This is how long I think it's going to take me to do this thing. And, you know, this is my hourly rate. And we're going to combine the two things together. And then like, there, there's my price. Well, you have probably had people come back to you and try to negotiate with you and say, well, oh, well, I don't need these things. And, you know, I don't want this part of the hour. You know, I don't need these hours. And can you, what can you give me for fewer hours so mm -hmm. that they can come back and negotiate on the, on the price? Right. And that is like, now we're in a, in an unresourceful place, I think for both mm -hmm. people, because, because do you actually want to deliver less of the value and do they really want you to deliver less of the value? Is that what's happening? And if all of that's going on, then we're probably not really kind of pointing at the value of the offering in the first place. And that, now that's mm -hmm. for a service-based offering. The products are going to kind of be a similar thing. If we're like just doing things based on the, the cost of what it takes us to put things together. Like the example I always give clients is, uh, you think about like a bridle and bit for a horse. It's like, you've, you've got this piece of metal and you've got this piece of leather that goes around the metal and it doesn't cost that much to get a piece of metal and it doesn't cost that much to get a piece of leather. And then we put those th two things together. And so we're talking about like what, maybe $5 total in, in like cost that it takes to put mm -hmm. that thing together. And so, all right, if we're going to do the classic model of, of pricing, we might say, okay, we'll add a 30% suggested retail price on top of that. Or, I mean, we're going to get really ambitious. We're going to double it. So it's, now we're like charging $10 for the bridle and bit rather than the $5 that it costs to make us. And then look, we've doubled our money. Amazing. However, then you think about the end use and what we're actually creating here is something, a way to control a $15,000, $30,000, sometimes $100,000 horse. Okay. And so now when we're thinking about the value of controlling a horse, we might have actually priced ourselves out low by by having this thing. So the perception of the value might now be diminished because we've called this thing ten dollars when we're trying to control a fifteen thousand dollar horse. And so, like, we've actually kind of, even if it is a really high quality product, imagine the experience of going and and seeing that product at that price point and thinking, oh, and you're seeing it right next to the 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 bridle and bit that's two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. And you're like, ah, oh, which one has the higher perception of value for you? Which one do you think is going to be a more valuable product? Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a really important part of the value that happens even in the price that we're setting. And I think, you know, if we're thinking in terms of cost based pricing, there's going to be an upper limit that we're going to get to, like what we can make that margin be, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, well, it cost me five dollars to make this like you know, 300%, 500%. Now we're at, 50, you know, $25, right? Like, so what, what actually, you know, 
we're going to get to some kind of cap and the same thing's going to happen with your hourly rate. Like there, no matter how much you think your time, quote unquote, is worth, quote unquote, whatever the hell that means. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we're still going to get capped at some point. There's going to be some point where you're like, yeah, no, I couldn't possibly charge, you know, more than that. And it could be $50 an hour and it could be $200 an hour and it could be a thousand dollars an hour and whatever, but there's going to be some number likely that you're going to get to reach where you're like, Ooh, can I really call my hourly rate that much? And then we will have capped out the value. And if that number happens to be below what the perception of the value that the, that the end user wants from what they're going to get for this, for the transformation, then we've, we've just created the same kind of problem as with charging $10 for the bridal and bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And because I think sometimes people think, well, I just, I need to cover my costs. I, then I think about like market rate for whatever my service is. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying potentially is that sometimes if we're pricing it too low, I think that people really are interested in sometimes making sure that their offer is affordable so that people can access it. But what you're saying is there might be a risk of associating a price that's too low because then the user would look at it and be like, well, there's actually, can I get all of these things that I really want and the value at this low price point? And it might actually scare people away. Exactly. And not just scare people away, but scare our best possible customers Mm -hmm. away, which is another thing to consider. Um, and you know, and you, so you mentioned the market rate in there and like trying to cover our costs. And and again, it is important for you to understand your costs. And that is our absolute floor of what we can charge. Uh, But also then when we're talking about a market rate, see what we want to avoid it. Now you look, you might be selling a commodity. If you're listening to this and you sell cocoa beans or you sell, you know, gasoline or you sell any of a variety of things that are commodities, right? Because commodities are, are, like there's a, they're widely available. And so you're just going to try to cut the cost as much as you can. When you're buying a commodity, you, it's all the same product. And, you know, like whether you get cocoa beans from over here, or you get cocoa beans from over here, it's the same thing that you're going to be getting at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. there's no differentiation. And so we have a commodity and then we have a race to the bottom. So whoever can get it for the cheapest price is going to win sales. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but m- most people who are listening to this are probably not selling a commodity, nor do you want your product to be a commodity. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we're selling a book, right, there's lots of books, but there's no, there's only one kind of book that has that information, that specific information. And so this is where we like really get into like, what is the unique value and differentiation that we have? And so if we're thinking in terms of cost-based pricing and we're like uh, thinking about a market rate, one of the traps or tricks that we can get into is that we're, we're racing to the bottom. So like, oh, well, I'm just going to undercut the, my competitors and do it. And then you get, have problems where you, you actually like, there's like a, a floor of what we can possibly charge. And then everybody's that. And then it's like, how do you stand out and whatever? And that's actually not that interesting or that useful for the consumer, right? Who might want to have more of a valuable offering than whatever the bottom, the bottom floor is of a thing. Right. We also get Mm -hmm. quality problems when you're trying to do that, too, because like you look at like what it takes to race to the bottom and it's like, all right, well, how can I get the cheapest possible components and, you know, put them together in the cheapest possible way so that I can Mm -hmm. have the lowest cost price. And you can win in that model. That's what Walmart does is try, you know, figures that thing out. Look, look at how Walmart doesn't beat target, which is something we haven't talked about yet is the ideal customer profile. Who's Mm -hmm. who's your target market? But, you know, the same people are not shopping at Walmart as they're shopping at Target. And there's a different story that's going on when you're at Target versus Walmart. And that's, and that's part of the value. Target's not trying to race to the bottom. That's not what they're creating in their business model. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of talked about some things that maybe 
aren't the most resourceful ways of thinking about the valuing our offer. So where do you start after you consider the kind of covering your own costs in your business? Then what's the next step? Like, how do you get people to start thinking about creating a really valuable offer and associating a price that feels really good for them and their clients? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to do is focus on the transformation. So every product, every service that somebody is buying, they're buying because they want something to be different in their life than it is right now. And that could be as simple as I'm buying this Snickers bar because I, I mean, the story we're probably telling as a consumer is like, because I'm hungry, right? But what's actually happening is because we have appetite. And really what we're looking for is a feeling of satisfaction. The, the, Mm. The feeling of chocolate and chewy and that feeling that happens in our mouth and all that stuff, right? And so what we're, what we're buying is a transformation, not a collection of costs. And this is to get back to that thing I was talking about before, cost centers versus value centers. So we're trying to identify what is that transformation? What is the difference that's going to be existing in our customer's world on the other side of their interaction with our product or our service? Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, like, the, and this happens literally every time that we're changing, money is changing hands. Even when you're paying your taxes, you know what I mean? There's like the experience that of people who pay their taxes is, oh, I feel satisfied now that I don't have that legal obligation hanging over me, or I no longer am afraid that I'm going to go to jail is like the most extreme version of it or something like that. Right. Um, And so that's what they're, what we're paying for with our tax dollars. And I mean, look, maybe people have very (laughs) resourceful views of taxes. They're like, oh, I'm paying for schools and all that stuff. And great, more power to you. But then that's the transformation that you're paying for when you're paying for taxes is like, oh, I feel like I contributed to something bigger than myself. And I got that, that sense of meaning and purpose. Or so we are either getting something pleasurable or we're avoiding something painful. That's human psychology. 101 is like, those are, those are the two pieces of motivation that we have. We are either moving towards something that we want or moving away from something that we don't want. And so after cost, once we have that and we've set that cost number aside, and that's just the only reason we have that is for our floor. After that, we're going to ask the question, what is the transformation? What's the highest value transformation that your, your ideal customer is coming to you for the people that you want to serve in the world that you want to want to keep coming back to you. Uh, you might, you might say, Oh, that's everyone. We've, we've talked about ideal customer in a different podcast. So you can go back and listen to that one. Um, but, uh, but so for your ideal customer, what is the highest value transformation that you're trying to create in their reality? What, you know, if it's, so if it's the, if it's the Snickers bar, it's like, well, it's one thing to, to satisfy hunger. Okay. To satisfy hunger, a, a palm full of rice would get you to satisfy hunger. Right. But to satisfy that feeling of like satisfaction, that like, mm, that like deliciousness, that's something that Snickers is going to ar- offer in a very unique way. And so that is the value that something like that is creating with coaching you know, again, it's, it, it's what's that highest level transformation. This is why it's like really important to have a conversation first. So we like figure out what, what, do, what do you want in the world? What do you think is happening uh, on the other side of this interaction? And then what's the value of that in your reality? Um, and so like any kind of, anytime we're doing business to business sales, we're probably looking in terms of like, what, what is this going to mean for your bottom line or your revenue on the other side of it? Or how does this fit into the larger picture of your value chain? Um, but so we want to we want to identify what is that highest level of value when when your customer buys from you and it works out as well as it possibly can. What will that mean for them? And you don't have to come up with this. And in fact, it's going to be more resourceful if we can get it in your customer's language in general. So talk to your ideal customers, figure out what is important to them about the transformation and then uh, and then focus your mind on that. What is the value of that thing? 
And if you can get it in dollars and cents, that's great. A lot of businesses don't lend themselves to dollars and cents. So the answer, you know, like think about like a relationship, someone who's going to help you with your relationship or something like that. It's like, well, what's the financial value of a relationship? I mean, we could, you know, we could quantify it in some ways, like dates cost a certain amount of money, but that's not really like, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about a different kind of value that's happening out of that kind of relate. Like what, you know, what does it mean to feel love and to have companionship in your life and to feel like you, you know, you, you get connection and that you have that sent that container or that home or whatever. And it might be different things for different people. So that's why you want to find out what your customers, how your customers talk about it and listen in those words. And then we can start to figure out like, well, what is the value of that? Um, and so that's like understanding the transformation, I think, is the next step. Once we figured out our costs and we set that number aside, then we start to ask ourselves, all right, what is the what is most important about making this change in your life? Mm -hmm. well, what do you think are some questions that people can be asking their ideal customers to find out what the highest value transformation is for them? Yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I think this starts, and if you're having sales conversations, so if you're doing like service-based sales and you're having sales conversations or even te some tech sales, whatever, if you're having sales conversations, ask, why are we even here? Like what interested you in this conversation today? What was, you know, we're both busy why, why did you take time out of your day? And I'm taking time out of my day. Like what, what is important to you about having this conversation? And that'll start to give us the direction. Mm -hmm. And it, the more, you know, about your customers, the more pointed that question can be, right. What's important to you about, you know, this kind of particular transformation that you might've come to me for or whatever. Um, so those are questions. How will your, like, what will be different? about your reality. If let's say you and I, I love the six months or the one year or the three year time horizon. Let's say that you and I work together and it's been amazing three years down the road. How would you know? What would be the clue? What would be your clues? Like what would be different about your reality than the way mm -hmm. that it is right now? And that can start yeah. to kind of give us some of those clues. I've heard you use um, the example of the movie big to, oh, have, yeah. to help people understand like what that question looks like. Yeah. I love, I love that. Cause you know, in big, uh, you know, the boy, I don't even know his name. Uh, he goes and he makes the wish on the Zoltar machine and he says, I, w I wish I was big. And then the next morning he wakes up and his wish has been granted. Right. And, uh, but his first thought is not like, Oh, my wish was granted. His first thought is like, Oh, these pants don't fit the way that <laughs> I thought they did. Or like, Oh, I've got more hair on my chest than I thought I did. And then he starts piecing it together. And so that's like, mm -hmm. I think that's a really useful question because we want to know like, what are the criteria for success? Like, how would you mm -hmm. start to, what would be the clues that this thing was working? Cause then yeah. that can start to give us an idea of like, well, what will be different in your life? Cause, cause Zoltar might've said to the boy, you know, like how will, cause what we're really asking is why do you want to be big? Like mm -hmm. why, why bigness? What's important to you about bigness? And it's like, well, Oh, like I want to, you know, Cause he, I think in the story, like he, he didn't have much of a say in his life. So he really wanted to have more control. He wanted to have more access to possibilities because he wanted to be able to have a job, I guess, and to like have money because he didn't have money before and he needed to be big to do those things. And so there was like all these other like consequences of being big and being big was just the means to get mm -hmm. him there. And so, you know, if, if he needed any help being sold on being big, Zoltar might've asked him, you know, like, well, what is it about bigness that you think you want? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, to get this value. I think there's two really useful things to think about 
when we're talking about this is one, we're inviting the customer to step into a reality where they have the thing they want. And when we're invoking those thoughts and those visuals in their mind, we're also eliciting, eliciting on a, like a biological level, like what it would feel like and like get them really excited about their life after transformation. Mm -hmm. And two, I think we're also inviting them to start telling us what's important about them and what the picture looks like. So that as we're, you know, making this offer, we can get really clear about what the transformation is for them. And then at the end, we get to say, okay, cool. Is it, would it be worth it to you to reach into your pocket and take this amount of money to have this kind of freedom, this kind of solution, this kind of buyback of your time, this abundance that can come for you financially, whatever it is. And then just like you said, we're creating that win-win solution because I'm the person making an offer, doing my life's work, the thing that I love doing most. And I get to kind of take somebody through a process where they also get something that's really important to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's really useful for us to like, to, to recognize too, that this is the key to not having like a pushy sales cycle. Because mm -hmm. cause then you'll, and by the way, the first time that I ever had this experience was with a coach that I hired. And I remember going through and like, it was just a visioning exercise. And I remember going through and being like, holy shit, I just felt myself get sold. Mm -hmm. And I, he didn't do anything at all. It was like nothing that he did other than provide the container for me to ask these questions of myself. But when I started to think about my vision for the future and what I wanted, it was like, it was this, like, I could just feel this inevitability welling up. And, you know, he would have had to set up a pretty high price for me to like, not feel like that was worth it because like I started to think about the, in terms of the value that it would be creating in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you are doing any kind of biz business to business sales and you are like doing anything where there's like going to be a return on investment, getting clear on what the, your customer is expecting to see in the return. Like when this goes really well, what actually monetarily, what do you expect to be coming back into your business is really useful because then 10% of that is, you know, <laughs> is it can be a really nice fee that feels like a win-win for both people because like, would you pay one bag of money to get 10 bags of money back? Yeah, of course you would all day, every day, right? So that's a really, mm -hmm. that's a really effective way of looking at that. Now with other things that aren't like money for money, like a return on investment in that way, we get a little bit more creative. We start to look in, you know, more abstract ways and what will it mean for you to have that kind of relationship? What will that mean on your other relationships? What will it mean on your career and your work? Because that, that's another way that relationship could actually be directly related to money is, you know, what happens when you have that supportive partner and what does that mean for your career? You know, and asking that kind of question, because then we can start to relate it to money, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. So we're getting really clear on what the highest value transformation is for the potential customer. But how does this then relate back to the person who's making the offer and how they make the decision of what dollar amount do they associate with the thing that they're offering? Mm -hmm. And I think this, this question is, there's not really an easy answer. I wish that there, it was, there was a, not really, I don't really wish anything different about the world, but, um, but there's not really like a copy and paste answer on this. I, I do think when you're starting to have those conversations with your customers, if there is a tangible ROI, like think about it in terms of a percentage of that, you know what I mean? 5%, 10%, 15% of what that is. And depending on how difficult it is for that person to create those results in their life, you know, that might be worth it to them where we're creating a situation where it actually is just a slam dunk and it's really obvious for them. Um, you might also start to consider what else is, are they spending their money on to try to solve this problem? 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, there's something that there's some transformation that they're trying to create in their life. And if they are taking any action on it right now, what, what are they doing? What, how, what ways are they trying to solve this problem right now? And what's that actually costing them is, is really useful. And if they're not try, actively trying to solve this problem right now in their life, that, by the way, then we have a completely different kind of conversation that we want to be having because they're not, they're not actively seeking a solution to this problem right now. And unless that changes, chances are any price isn't going to be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd have to be like such a low price that's not going to really be meaningful to either of you because they're not planning on changing it. Right. So they, they do want to, we want to get to a point where they are actually motivated and ready to change uh, whatever mm-hmm. the thing is that they're trying to change. Um, yeah. So how else are they trying to solve this? What are they investing? Um, what's the return if, when it goes really well, what's that create? So what's the cost in their reality right now? And then what would, what's the return possible for them in their reality? And then that can start to give us some, some guide rails. Now we know that a cost is our lowest, right? What, what it costs us to make the product is our lowest base, right? You can think in terms of margin. You can ask the question, like, what are other people charging in the market? But then again, what we're doing is that's like a, that's like kind of a commoditization way of looking at it. What are other people charging? So, all right, well, I'm going to base my pricing on them. When for most people, it would be more useful for you to think of the absolute unique value that you're creating that they can't get from anywhere else. There's no yeah. other one in the world that can create the thing that they're trying to create in the world. And thinking of your your value in terms of that, rather than you know just one of a sea of offerings, uh, is just going to naturally have more value. Um, but those those would be the kinds of questions. And look, you know, there's no one size fits all thing. These are questions that we're asking that we're trying to, because at the end of the day, we want to come up with an offering where you feel really confident that whatever the value exchange, it's going to work. It's going to work for them to get the thing that they're looking for. And so if you don't have that yet, we might want to work on the offering. If you do have that, then, you know, I would say what's the highest investment that you would feel really comfortable that it would be a win-win, a great Mm -hmm. value for both people. Yeah. There's a really great exercise that, um, where you ask if somebody would do that work for a dollar or if they would do it for a million dollars. And then you just start going backwards and forwards from zero to in a million until you find some number that you're like, Oh yeah, I I would definitely do it. I would feel good offering that price. Um, and I feel like I could deliver that much value. And it, I think it just is person by person. Um, yeah, there's that's a one really more nice thing. intuitive way, like to, way to tap yeah. into your intuitive pricing for sure. Yeah, totally. So there's one more thing that I want to talk about before we wrap this up, but where, where does getting sold on your offer and like developing confidence in yourself fit into all of this? I, uh, first, before, <laughs> I mean, this pricing conversation happens after you've already done that. And, and, you know, and we might have a pricing conversation about like, well, I'm not quite there. And then I'm going to say, okay, but where are you? And now let's price around that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we can develop your confidence in your offering over time and your skill at what you're delivering and your service or your product. But at the end of the day, if you don't have something that you believe in right now to offer, it doesn't matter what the price is. Cause either they're not going to buy it cause they're going to read your uncertainty in the mm-hmm. offer, or you're going to, you're going to sell it. And then you're going to feel out of integrity because mm. you don't actually believe in your offering. And then we're going to have a whole host of other imposters and other kinds of things that are going to come up that are, that make sense if you don't believe in your offering. So mm-hmm. 
-hmm. step one, I mean, before you listen to this podcast really is like, come up with an offering that you believe in, come up with something that you think solves a meaningful problem for people in the world. Mm -hmm. That you feel excited, that you feel excited about. Yeah. I mean, that's another question, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, you can sell something, even if you're not really excited about it, as long as you believe that it has value to people, you could sell it. Now you're going to, then you're going to get into overwhelm and burnout and all these other things, other challenges that'll happen if it's not in alignment for you. But that's a different, you know, these are, these are different considerations. The, mm-hmm. the one consideration is, do we have an offering that you're like, fuck yeah, I believe that that's going to help somebody do the thing they want to do in mm-hmm. the world. And then, and then, yeah, it's useful to ask your, for Ikigai to come in, to come into a relationship with your work where you're like, ah, I love my work. Then yeah, we want to love the thing that we're doing as well. We're excited. Yeah, about it. totally. All right. Well, those are all my questions. Anything else left on the table that you think would be important to cover before we wrap? Um, Nope. Just, you know, just remembering that all pricing is psychological. It always is going to happen inside your mind. And that that's really what we're doing is we're trying to figure out the psychology of pricing. And um, I really want to encourage you to keep your mind focused on the win-win. I think that's the simplest way to do this is like, how do you build an offering that you would be excited to be on either side of the table? Right. Uh, if you were this person who was buying this thing, would you be really excited to buy at the price point that you have, have listed? Um, keep your eyes po- focused on the, the transformation and the value of that transformation to them. And then like at minimum, we got to at least cover our costs. My invitation is don't cost base price. But if you have an offering where you're like, I don't think it's worth anything more than the cost, then we, we, we probably want to build a different business because that's just, you're going to be a, a race to the bottom. We want to f- figure out a different value offering uh, mm-hmm. than that. If you don't think that you can charge more than what it costs or based on some margin of it, then we probably want to think about a different business unless you want to be a commodities trader, which you can absolutely do. And that is its own business. So, um, so those would be the, the recaps. Great, great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for chatting it through. If you have any other questions, reach out to us, uh, Lucid Shift. This was actually the topic of this week's Mindset Gym. We are doing uh, Mindset Gym where you can come and learn and grow in the presence of other business owners and uh, practice these things, have these kinds of conversations and kind of figure these things out for yourself in a community where it feels safe to do so because you, you know, you're in a values aligned community. So you might be a fit if you like this podcast because we're very values forward with our podcast. So uh, feel free to check out the Mindset Gym. Um, we'll have that link in the show notes and you can come and apply. We're accepting members at least for the next couple months. Thanks so much for the conversation page and everybody else out there. Live your freedom. Love your life. Hey there, shifters. If you enjoy the podcast and you've been wanting to take your game to the next level, you might want to hear about our new program. We're calling it the Mindset Gym, and it's a virtual community where we take all the tips, tricks, and strategies and we put them into practice. Ever notice how when you go to an exercise class, you always seem to push a little harder than when you work out on your own? Well, the Mindset Gym is like a group exercise class for your business. Imagine a community of badass business owners coming together a couple of times a month to work on their mindsets, strategies, and find some business besties. It's all about practicing together. Sound like something you might want to be a part of? Check out the link in the show notes or go to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash the dash mindset dash gym to learn more. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. 
If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.